Well, um, so John and I, this is our favorite subject, um, and here's why. We have, um, as you guys know, we've been married for, what, 24 years? It'll be 23. 23 years. Are you sure? Have you done that? Nailed it. Tomorrow's (laughs) Valentine's Day. I've been brushing up on all the latest statistics about us. You need to know the answers, gentlemen. Yeah, it's true. You are funny today. You oh, never that's know really when good. you're going to be on a game show. You yeah, know I mean? funny. <laughs> okay. Well, with that, we're done. <laughs> now, um, it, it helps to be to have a good sense of humor when you're married. Can I get an amen? Because if you can't laugh, you may be crying. Um, so this morning, we really wanted to, last week, we talked a lot about uh, all of the differences in marriage, and we talked about merging, we talked about covenant, the difference between a covenant and a contract. And uh, today, I encourage you to go back and listen to it, um, but today we want to talk about the order of a marriage. Um, and if you, you know, when you're building a house, it's really important to get the foundation right or everything's, the doors will never shut, right? And so the whole thing will be crooked. And and so it's really important to get the order right in a marriage. And so that's really what we want to talk about today. And it's really, uh, you know, God designed marriage as the first relationship that was to establish everything in the earth. You know, it was like, okay, husband and wife, Okay, now you two, it's all up to you because y'all are going to be bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, covenant. And through that covenant, everything in the earth is going to be blessed. And God hasn't changed his mind about that. And so we're going to go through a lot today. I have a PowerPoint with stick figures on it. I did myself. So that's going to be fun. Um, It's going to be comical is what it's going to be. But that's okay. It'll get the point across. Um, so you've got, so at last week, we're going to do a little review, but last week we really talked about Adam and Eve. And so God created Adam in his image. He created them in his image, but yet there was just one, right? There was just one. There was just Adam, but he said, I, let's, let us create them in our image. So within Adam, you had Eve. Eve was in Adam and God separated the feminine image of himself from the masculine image of himself when he brought Eve out of Adam's side. And then he said to them, now, the two of you are going to be one in covenant. And through marriage and through this, um, this, this merging, it is going to be the most beautiful representation of the image of God on the earth. And, and this is why marriage is so critical and is so important because without the man and the wife or the husband and the wife together merged, you cannot have the full representation of the image of God in the earth. Because there's got to be a masculine image of God and there's got to be a feminine image of God. That's why he says that homosexuality is an abomination. It's not a sexual thing. It is a image thing because he's saying that only a man and a woman can rightly represent the full picture of who God is. And through that will come multiplication through this covenant 
image will come multiplication in love, multiplication in peace, multiplication in joy, multiplication in fruitfulness through children. And so when children see the truth of who the fullness of God's image in their parents, then they can go on and represent Christ rightfully. And there won't be the heartache of rebellion. And so we're going to talk about that a lot more when we get uh, into it today. Um, But this merging between a man and a woman is really what creates this beautiful picture of love. And like we were talking about this morning, just one more thing. I know you're dying to get in here. This beautiful uh, worship this morning, when we were talking about the power of love, the most powerful thing in the universe is love. It is love. It is the love of a man and a woman. It is the love of a man and a woman perfectly in order with the love of God. Because again, we're talking about order and God has within himself, he has designed something. And if we can lay hold of and apprehend that design and function in it, then we're going to see that our marriages and our lives would be incredibly blessed. So true leadership in marriage is this, and, and let me just put a pause on that. The biggest problem that we have in marriage is that we get married, and how many of you did the First Corinthians 13 during your wedding vows? Oh, yeah, I do that every wedding. Now, come on, people. John marriage, everybody is like, I, I want 1 Corinthians 13, you know, that, that love is patient, love is kind, right? Oh, come on, right? Then the marriage is consummated and the battle begins because it's like, wait a minute, what do you mean I'm not going to get my way? What do you mean I, I, I'm not right? I am right. And so the battle of right and wrong takes off after that. And you're like, well, somewhere back, I remember this scripture that I said, but it doesn't really apply. And that right there is the saddest thing ever. It really is because that's our heart when we get married. Nobody gets married thinking, okay, let me put on my boxing gloves. Everybody gets married saying, this is going to be the most magnificent life that I could possibly hope or imagine because this person is my dream, my dream man, my dream woman. Am I right? But that's actually not what happens in most marriages. And we know that because we know the statistics. So um, let's do a review of last week. So Genesis 2, verse 18. And the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. What a great idea. So this word helper Again, reviewing from last week, it means ezer, E-Z-E-R, okay? That's the Hebrew. That word is primarily used in the Bible to describe God with man as man's helper. Let me say that again. That word is primarily used, I'm talking like 90% of the time, in the Bible to describe God. God with man as his helper. 
So this word that he uses to describe what a woman will be to a man is not a one-down position. It is an equal part to man. It is, God is saying, she's made in my image. The beauty of how I made her as the feminine part of who I am is beautiful. And you are the masculine version, both of you equal yet having different roles. Can I get an amen? So John, why don't you tell us about husbands? What about husbands? Well, you're a husband, so you have a lot of insight on this. You want the Old Testament husband or the New Testament husband? Oh, boy. I want the New Testament husband. Um, The Old Testament husband was, I I guess a lot of guys think it's a pretty cool deal. Um, Because um, if you're into, like, domination (laughs) and uh, you're into rulership, like if you ever wanted to be a king, you know, maybe on the playground you were a king. That was what really the, the representation of man and woman was, uh, according to the scriptures, that we were, um, we were actually like a king. We were uh, rulers of our household, rulers of our wives. Really, look it up. In fact, I may have, have it right here. <clears throat> Genesis 3.16 says you're... Uh, Back then, your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. And so what happened was, originally, it wasn't that way. Originally, Adam and Eve, before the fall, there was no rulership. But during the fall, there were a couple of curses that came. If you recall, one of them was uh, just to have to toil for your food to eat. And the other one was the curse between husband and wife where he ruled over her. This is a bad day for women right there. I mean, think about what it would be like not to, um, you know, even be commanded to, you know, go into that love relationship that we have to work on, like we have to give of ourselves to do. And then after the cross, the husband takes on a different role. Um, It's actually called headship. And it says here, it says the husband provides leadership to his wife the way that Christ does to the church not by domineering, but by the cherishing. And uh, just like the uh, church submits to Christ as he exercises such leadership, wives should likewise submit to their husband. That's the message message version. But so what happens after the cross is we have headship, which we want to go into pretty deep today, because like Tracy said, if we, you know, all jokes aside, if we get this right, we will relate to one another submitted to God will relate to one another in the righteous way. But what's the opposite of order? Chaos. Chaos. So if you're not in the right order in the relationship with God and with one another, then you're going to have a lot of chaos. Anybody see any chaos going on in marriages? Well, it may just get so far as people are like, that's not a man, that's a woman. Or... Yeah, I mean, there is no end to how far this can go when you start getting marriage out of order. And we're the ones who are responsible before the Lord to get it right because we're his children. So we really want want to go to the Word of God. You know, that's always my answer. Let's go to the Word of God. What does the Word of God say about marriage? And we're going to try to um, 
try to keep going with that where we understand what the order is and then how to do it with one another, how to uh, maintain that order. So let's talk about after the cross, headship, and what we're looking for there is that the man would have several duties to do. There are basically three things that the Lord uh, talks with us about. said uh, that the husbands are head of the wife. Okay, we're not disputing that whatsoever. That's number one. Number one, Ephesians 5.23. The husband provides leadership to his wife the way Christ does to his church, not by domineering, but by cherishing, and so on and so forth. So it's, again, it's a different relationship. It's a love relationship, a cherishing relationship. And um, the husband is the head of the wife. Also, Christ is the head of who? Christ is the head of the church. Christ is the head, then, of the husband. Let me say that again. Christ is the head of the husband. So case in point, if the husband is in right relationship, there's no chaos because he's what? He's tucked under the leadership of our God. He is the tucked under Christ, which is the best place we want to be. Um, for all, all eternity and for today. But that's the one that we miss sometimes uh, when we're describing, you know, to our wife what her role is, right? I mean, you kind of scan past everything else and say, I'm the leader. I determine when we go. And, you know, that sounds pretty good, but it doesn't work very well. Practically, you agree, ladies? Let me just hear from ladies. Oh, that's right, you know. So we say to wives, you must submit to me. And we forget that it's our first, first our responsibility to submit to Christ. And re, guys, I want to talk to you for a minute because this is on the man as the head. One of the things we get with that, we get a lot of benefits from that. But one of the things about being the head is we're responsible to cover our wives, to provide, to cover, to cherish, to love. Think about all the commands in, in the Word. I'm going to show them to you. 1 Corinthians 11.3, but I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ, the head of woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. Now, that's an order wow. that you can, if you can get this, if we can get this, gentlemen, if we can get this, ladies, we won't strive with each other and enter into these daily struggle for power or struggle to get our way. Um, the, the scripture shows us um, that, that it's about stru struggle. In many cases, it's when we argue among ourselves that it's about struggling with one another uh, for position, to be right, to, be, uh, to get our way, to gain something from the other person. And that's just not, the, just not what the word says. Number three, number two is husbands honor the wives, 1 Peter 3, 7. And it says, um, uh, 1 Peter 3, 7 is husbands likewise dwell with them with understanding, giving honor, the Greek word means value, to the wife as the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers may not be hindered. Oh, boy. Now, we... I don't know what the world is doing, but it's not good. If you're not tucked under Christ, 
if he doesn't hear your prayers and you're not getting your prayers answered, it's a tough time for that. Um, you know, you got too much going on in the earth for the God not to hear your prayers. But he says right there, I mean, the, the reverse side of that would be, if you don't do these things, I'm not going to hear your prayers. That's what I take from it. And we don't want that. We want God to hear our prayers. We want him to answer our prayers in the proper way. And I love about, what something I love about this scripture is that it says giving honor to the wife. Now, how many of you have ever heard that before? That that's the husband's job to honor his wife. That yeah. word honor means value. That they would value the wife as the weaker vessel meaning that she is made in the feminine form of God, that she is beautiful in her femininity. And I got to tell you, I am, a, I am the weaker vessel. I mean, I can't even, you know, I'm like, take out the trash. What are you talking about? It's so heavy. Okay, sorry. I pulled the, the girl card. But I mean, there's things about <laughs> conveniently. <laughs> but I mean, I remember we were redoing our backyard and he had an this thing that had an axe on one side and a hoe on the other. It was like this, what do, what do you call that thing? Well, honey, you know what a grub and hoe is, don't you? A grub and hoe. I don't know. And so this thing City weighed folk. like 50 pounds and we were, we, were, we were cutting these roots out of our backyard. And so him and my son, Samuel, who's 21, they were going after these roots. And so I was like, whatever, I can do this because I'm real competitive. I went to pick that thing up and I was like, whoa. And it seriously like fell back on me. And I thought, okay, I may be the weaker vessel. I'm just saying. Uh, so number three, three things. At least you tried. All right. But the other thing to look at this scripture, I hope you still have it up, is that at, we are heirs together. We are, we are heirs together in the grace of God. And I love that because here's the thing, analogy, metaphor. We're rowing a boat. Here we are, we're rowing a boat. We're, we're in the boat together. You guys got married. You're in the same boat, you know? <laughs> if you're not rowing together, you're going in a circle, right? And you're like, you're doing it wrong. No, you're doing it wrong. No, everybody rows in unity, and when you row in unity, you're actually going somewhere. That's good analogy. I like that. You know I got that while we were in worship. Wow. I know, right? Praise the I Lord. I hope my flower analogy works in a minute. So, I mean, okay, that, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that okay. was real good. Don't yeah. take it now. No, I'm not. <clears throat> so, I'm going to read from the message. You know the New King James is my life. Well, wait, you have to do number three. You have I to am. number I'm, it. I'm going to read from it okay. right now. Husbands, love your wives no matter what they say. Actually, it just says, husbands, love your wives, Ephesians 5, 25 through 28. But it's the same thing. <laughs> husbands, go all out in your love for your wives, exactly as Christ did for the church. A love marked not by giving, not by getting, but by giving. Christ's love makes the church whole. His words evoke her beauty. Everything he does and says is designed to bring the best out of her, dressing her in dazzling white silk, radiant with holiness. And that's how husbands ought to love their wives. They're really doing themselves a favor since they're already in, as one in marriage. 
So think about it. If your other half, as people refer to it, is is um, fulfilled and loved and cherished and nourished, gentlemen, then you're going to have a very different reality at home than chaos in your home. And, um, you know, the sister-in-law always telling her she ought to leave. You know what I mean? So we're looking for, we're really looking for, not speaking about your sister-in-law, no. my sister-in-law. Anyways, uh, we're really looking for harmony. We're looking for God's way in this. And um, another scripture, Colossians 3.19, it says, Husbands, love your wives and do not be angry. Do not be exasperated with them. Don't be indignant toward them. So I want to stop there for a minute because, um, and just get real. Because a lot of times um, women are made to desire safety. We, we long for um, safety and, and we will run to it. And, but when our husbands are angry and frustrated and that comes out, what a woman does is a woman will pull away uh, not just physically, but emotionally. And, and they'll see that that's, his heart is not a, or he's not a safe place for her heart. And so that withdrawal happens, and they may not recognize it, but it happens on the inside. And, and, um, and look, anger can look a lot of different ways. Um, it can look through, uh, it can, from a husband to a wife, um, but it, it tells us, God is saying, husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter with the, towards them. And, and it's interesting how the, the, the New Testament says over and over and over, several times, husbands, love your wives. This is a completely different communication commandment towards husbands and wives. The way that they're framing it is different than they did in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, Abraham's like, I'm going to give my wife to the king. And she's like, okay. Like she has no, she has no say so in that. You know, he's just trying to, to protect himself. And you know what I mean? And so there's a different type of expression in the New Testament than there was in the Old Testament. And what you really want is um, you want to um, at, your wife is like a when when you married she's like a rosebud she comes to you she's beautiful and and you want to see her fully bloom into the woman that God's made her to be you don't want her to stay a bud forever and you certainly don't want to cause damage, you know, not water and love and, and cherish where she will never bloom. And this happens, right? That's immediate struggle from day one, and they just never get it. So what happens in that is you open her up with honor and love, and she begins to melt and kind of ease into security. Uh, you're providing for her. You're uh, speaking words of affirmation. Uh, you're looking at her love language and you're fulfilling her love language with 
if she's a gifts person, you know, you know, pottery, pottery barn, uh, gift card, whatever it is. <laughs> no, but you're looking. No, I'll never forget the time that. Okay, it was Mother's Day, and and I, we're at a restaurant, and we're honey, we're, we're in a hurry. We uh, need no, to no, get. no, 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 <laughs> no. You got to hear this one. This is awesome. Okay, so. John is like, it's Mother's Day. Now, I have seven kids. I'm thinking I need seven times what anybody else should get. So, so he said, Samuel, go out to the car and, and open the trunk. Honey, I got you something. He's so excited about it. And so he walks in with an unwrapped gift that is really large. And as he walks in, he walks past all the other tables with the mothers and they're looking at this, and they're scowling at this gift. Well, he got me a vacuum cleaner. <laughs> and I was like... And I'm not kidding you, the other women were looking at our table like... Honey, those flowers were 150 bucks. <laughs> I'm looking at this vacuum cleaner, that's going to last you all year. Yeah, okay. Anyway, I'm not gifts. She's not gifts anyway. She really isn't. She's like Christmas time. She's un unwrapping her, you know, our special package. I always have one that's a little better than the others. She's unlocking it. She says, oh, yeah, that's pretty. And just, you know, just tosses it, starts folding up, you know. But it acts stuff of in the service. If he does my dishes, it's gifts. like game on. Yeah. You did my dishes. I love you. Any, anyway, I serve her. She loves it. But anyway, the flower. Let's get back to the flower. Okay. No, I think you're on the testimony. Do the testimony. Tell okay, the testimony. we're going to skip the flower. <laughs> <laughs> Tracy, what good's a flower if I don't talk about the fragrance, right? Okay, right, you right. You can see the beauty. It's this little bud. It forms into this beautiful flower, <laughs> and the fragrance fills the whole room. Come on. Come on, help me out here. I'm glad you got that. Thank you so much. This that was what helped me so much. All right, the testimony. So let me let me give you an example of the the working together. This is one of the biggest things that ever happened to Trace. It was the biggest thing that ever happened to our marriage. And so I'm going to share that with you for a second. You've some of you heard the story, but but Tracy was literally interrupted by the audible voice of God when she wasn't really even saved. She would go to church, you know, we went to church and stuff, but she wasn't really in her heart saved. She had never read the Bible. And so this happens, and here I am, you know, we're both, you know, six-figure business people and all, and here's my wife. I just, I just uh, married her, and suddenly she goes into this shofar blowing, I mean, <laughs> unbelievable zero to shofar in one night. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. But I knew it was real, and so we had a decision to make. As a husband, I could either say no, and I've got a good shrink that you can see, uh, because clearly God doesn't talk to people, or I could, I could say this is real, and we're going to find the answers to this because God's never spoken to me like that. So we, uh, began, we made the call, and we we begin to, you know, search this out and see if God talks to people. And uh, we called uh, Terry, 
uh, we called our my old pastor up in Oklahoma, and he said, go to Sojourn Church in Carrollton and ask for Terry Moore. He'll know what to do with her. <laughs> it's the truth. This is our journey. I mean, we're dumb and dumber. We've already told you that. But anyways, uh, that, was a, that was a moment. Now, we've, we've ministered to women, several women that have come to Storehouse Church because at their place, they had an encounter, a, a real encounter with the Lord, but everybody told them, hey, uh, he's up on the meds, man. You know, there's something that's not from God, you know. Uh, but, but anyways, through this story, what I was going to tell, the testimony is that I leaned into that because I knew it was of God. And we began to um, not, I didn't hinder her or put my thumb on her, or try to hold her down in uh, her destiny in God. And, um, and a lot of people say, well, aren't you the, pre- is this your wife? The, you're the preacher, right? And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm one of them, but my wife runs the church. She's here all the time. She's full time. I'm still in the marketplace. How does that work? You're the preacher. I mean, obviously, because you're a man. I'm like, Okay. You know, come to our church. Maybe we preach it a little different than that. I don't know. But that is the thing uh, that I knew that she was, she needed to bloom into everything that the Lord has for her, and I'm st- I still do. I've, we've got a long way to go, but I want her to, uh, to be able to fulfill her destiny in God. And listen, gentlemen, her destiny in God is just as important as my destiny in God. Her destiny in God is just as important. It's, again, image bearers of God, both male and female. And so we want to see the full expression in our wives to, uh, to fill their destiny in God. Everybody got an amen on that? I see some shaking. Okay, so uh, let's see. So let me just, let me summarize. Husbands, strengthen your wives. Cover them with tender strength and honor, loving them, and that'll build them up. When we um, diminish their wives by dominance, by abuse, apathy, and neglect. When you strengthen your wife, you strengthen your marriage, you strengthen yourself. Tracy? Wow. Okay, so I want you to know something. We didn't get married and go, oh, we've got this revelation of how this works at all. This has been an incredible journey of finding the truth of what God says about marriage. Both of us are very strong people. You would call us alphas. We both were very successful in the marketplace not just as people who were employed, but people who employed people. And so neither one of us, um, we loved each other deeply. And when we started this, there was a power struggle happening. But we knew that God, uh, not uh, John, prophesied when we got married, we're going to have an exceptional love story that they're going to write books about someday. And that was his word over our marriage. And it should be over everybody's marriage that we're going to have an exceptional love story that people are going to write books about. 
because we are a witness of Christ and his church. Not that everything's perfect, but he's perfect for me. I'm perfect for him. And in Christ, we really can demonstrate this level of love. And when the world looks at it, they'll go, wow, that's different. The love that y'all have, the fun that y'all have, the joy that you have, the, the life that you live is something that others go, I want what you have. Right? I want to just jump in here too. You know, Tracy and I, um, we genuinely love to be together all the time. Like um, we had an opportunity to go to Florida um, late last year, and we just the two of us went. And we're, we're kind of entering into a season. Samuel's uh, now uh, almost 22 years old, and he's still in college. But it won't be long until we'll be empty nesters. And we're really looking forward, not that we want you to move, Sam. We're 45 really looking years of having children at home. Yeah, because we're a blended family. We've always had kids. And we started over at, at, at 40. Right. And so think about the money we're going to have. It's going to be crazy. I mean... That dude can eat, you know what I mean? But uh, anyway, we're looking forward to this. We love, we'd rather be with one another than anybody. 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 Mm-hmm. We, we always have a good time, whatever we're doing. All right, so I'm going to start on wives. Okay, All wives. Right. Wives, so before the cross, you know, um, our job description was to be dominated. And so there was a, uh, there was a lesser down. It was, uh, we were husbands. When I say they had their thumb on their wives, they were commanded by God to rule over them. Think about that. God's like, okay, you're going to have to, we're going to have to do a cleanup here. And you're going to, the curse was that you're now going to be dominated by your husband. And, um, and so the difficulty behind that to me is just heartbreaking. I mean, I can't even imagine what that would be like, honestly, because John and I have worked so hard at understanding the word so that we could live in, in mutual submission and freedom in love um, and, and, and in the correct order. Um, women were, hold on, okay, my little mini pad here. Um, so people were, uh, women were dominated. Um, they were under a curse and they were ruled by their husbands. Um, and it said that women would desire their husbands in a way that was not obtainable. What did they long for? They longed for freedom. They longed for love, but they were thought of as property. And that's what happened when Jesus walked the earth. That's what happened in the New Testament. That's what Paul was dealing with. They thought of their wives as property. They were uneducated. They, they didn't take time to teach them or that didn't even think they could possibly learn. Most of the time, they would have to eat in separate places. Women weren't allowed to be around the men because the, mean, the men were the kings. But once the cross came, after Jesus, praise God, after Jesus. I mean, for women, you don't understand what this means for us and, 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 and what it is to be set free from the burden of rulership and dominion to be dominated by another person. John and I have had really long conversations, and I said, men don't understand this because it's never happened to them. 
They don't understand what it is to be ruled by another person that says, oh, you have this desire in your heart. No, you can't do that because I say so. Well, wait, what? You're going to be limited in your life because I've determined that I don't want that to happen. I mean, how crushing is that for somebody who carries something from the Lord? After the cross, the New Testament tells wives to do two things. The New Testament tells husbands to do three things. But the number one thing that it says is wives, respect your husband. It says this, um, nevertheless, let each of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. This word respect means to revere and fear. That means that this man has been given to her by God. And the position that he has in her life is one that she needs to revere. And she needs to be in fear of that position. Because God has established him in that role for her benefit. Now, let me tell you something. I was a very successful woman in the marketplace. And I am... Uh, the way that God made me, he made me to be a builder. I'm apostolic, prophetic. I build things. That's what I do. We have three businesses. I've actually got two things that the Lord has given me that are inventions. So we're always building, okay? The church, the beauty of this place that we carry in our hearts and we, you know, are trying to be faithful before the Lord and to you, Okay. And so I made this way, but God has set John as the head of my house, and I'm going to speak to that in a minute, and I revere his position because I realize that without him covering me, I'm going to be in big trouble, okay? And so I revere and honor who God created him to be in my life. That means that I carry him with the utmost respect. That means that my words, my actions, when he does stuff that hurts my feelings, guess what my response is? I'm going to cook for you. I'm going to speak words of life over you. I'm going to intercede for you. I do not withhold my love because you are a you are the man that God I fear that position because it's been put there by God and I fear God I don't come up from under that ever because I've learned that lesson that when I've done it, it I get into trouble okay the second things wives submit to your husbands this is so hard because again let me tell you, the feminist movement will tell you this is, this is a lie. And a lot of times it's been abused by husbands that, and they use it for control. I'm going to control you by telling you, you must submit to me. I don't care what you have to say. I'm right. You're wrong. And they use it as a tiebreaker. Let me say that again. They use it as a tiebreaker. Let me tell you something. That is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. 
But the tree of life says that the tiebreaker is the Lord. He's the one that decides. And this is where it gets fun. Okay? So I submit to his leadership in my life. And by submitting to his leadership, I don't lose my voice. But what I, what I gain is I gain protection and I gain safety that I don't get blasted by the enemy because I'm tucked under his love and his protection. Okay? So, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. This scripture, it, now let me, let me tell you again, this scripture is quoted a lot by men in order to control their wives, but I want to read through this, through Ephesians 5, starting in verse 17. And the reason why I want to do this, and you guys are going to have to lean into this, okay? Do not lose your train of thought here, okay, everybody? I realize pull, that we pull are your a, books out. Let's look at that together. Yeah, we're a social media generation. So a lot of times uh, it's quoted, um, a particular part of these scriptures are quoted, and, and but I want to read to you hermeneutically. Who knows what hermeneutically means? Raise your hand. Okay, the scholars in the room. Okay, so hermeneutically means in context. So you have to read the whole scripture in context, situationally, as well as the full, you're going to have to read the full scripture to get the heart behind what it was that was being conveyed, okay? Because, okay, in, when you look in your Bible, you're going to see there's a title there. And it, in the title, it breaks this scripture up and it says here, this is about marriage. Paul did not write it that way. Paul wrote the letter, and so I'm going to read it in context about what Paul was saying. Okay, so drum roll. Fair enough. All right. Ephesians 5, starting at verse 17. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So he's talking about the will of the Lord in context to relationships, okay? And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dispensation, but be filled with the Spirit speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and singing, making melody in your heart to the Lord. So he's talking about being filled with the spirit and not being, like being drunk in the spirit and not being drunk with wine. Okay, so he's talking about their activity in community. Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So last week, John and I were talking to you, how do we, how do, we do what we do? Every morning we wake up, and we pray together, giving thanks to God for our love and our marriage. God, thank you for my husband. And he's like, and, and it's not, it's not robotic. It's genuine and passionate, and we deeply feel it. And even in the times when we're in a fight, we still do this. And it will actually pour oil on that argument. And it will cause things to settle down in the spirit, okay? That's, a, that's some gold there for you, okay? Uh, verse 21, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Now, this is very important because they, leave, they don't start marriage off here. They leave that part out. They put it in the paragraph above. Can you see that in your Bibles? But actually, he is speaking in regards to marriage, submitting yourself to one another in what? The fear of God. 
knowing that God has what God has put together, let no man tear apart what God has put together. You guys need to mesh. You need to be in covenant. You need to be united in one in the fear of the Lord. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands. You don't need to submit to anybody else's husband. Submit to your own husbands. For the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church. So he says, look, let me tell you how important this submit that this is. He is the same as Christ to you in this way. So it is the same, and he said, as also Christ is head of the church, so is your husband head of you. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in what? In everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. So he's saying, wives, you're going to submit yourselves to your husbands just as Christ, as you submit yourselves to Christ. So it's pretty intense, this, this command from God. And then he says, and by the way, husbands, you have to love her just the same as Christ loves the church. So again, a very intense command from the Lord. Therefore, okay, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands and everything. Husbands, okay, I'm, I'm repeating. Okay, verse 26. And he, okay, let me start in, uh, sorry, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify her with the cleansing of the washing of the water by the word. How many of you sit before the Lord, husbands, and say, God, help me cleanse my wife by the washing of the water of the word, that I may sanctify her and help cleanse her so that she will be prepared for you. that he might present to her, to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that they should be holy and without blemish, that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. For we are all members of his body and his flesh and his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his mother and father and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I'm speaking concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself. He says that how many times? Do you think he's trying to make a point? How many of you love yourself? Okay. A lot. And let the wife see that she respects her husband. Can I put a kind of an exclamation point on this? Again, uh, just to reiterate, the only way this works, guys, is if, we're, if we have a life in prayer, if we have a life with the Lord. And I can tell you for 20 years I didn't. And it was chaos in my life. That's my testimony. And once I got into a daily prayer routine with the Lord where I had a, a time set aside 
and I was set with the Lord in the morning, he'll reveal it to you. He'll change you. And he'll, um, even if you're, you're having an argument or whatever, when you go to prayer to gather or even go into your prayer closet, the Lord had talked to you. And that thing just starts to dissipate. Sometimes I have literally been in my prayer closet really upset with her, giving her the old silent treatment at first. And the Lord would take that, whatever it was we were arguing about, and I can't remember anymore. I literally don't know why we're fighting. That's happened to me. Come on, can anybody say that that's happened to them? It has, and you don't even know why, why are we fighting. I just don't get it. But um, anyway, I want to put the explanation point. It doesn't work unless we're submitted to Christ. Christ is submitted to God. That's not going to be a problem. We're submitted to Christ, and then everything in her flows from that point. Baby. So um, I think John made a really good point, and I want to just jump on that for a minute because the responsibility that God is placing is really on the husbands. And the truth is, is that we are the weaker vessel. And I'm so thankful that God gave us these men. And it's interesting that God doesn't say in his word, men, I want you to go to church. Now we have to do that. It's part of our, we love to do it. And we're supposed to gather together. And he doesn't say, Husbands, I want you to go to the men's group. But he said, I want you to submit yourself to me. It's a daily walk. And I can't tell you what it means to me that John prays every day. And what that's done in my heart to know that I'm covered by his prayers and his love. And I don't ever worry about right and wrong anymore because genuinely now he says, you know what, let's just pray about it. And every argument is broken. And every argument is brought down because he said, you know what, let's pray about it. And it's not just words, but it's action. And there's so much safety for women and knowing that you would pray for us and you would pray with us. Because a kingdom man is a praying man. And when your sons and your daughters see this kind of marriage, they will never live any other way because it truly is the fullest representation of Christ and his church and the earth. And that's the beauty of what God has for us. Not a religious husband, but a kingdom husband submitted to God, one that she can run to and submit herself to, saying, this is a safe place for my heart because I know that, that you, you lean into God for the answers and we can lean into God together. I think I just want to pray for us right here. Let's just... Let's just, let's just do why we're here. I'm going to ask the men to stand even, if you would. 
If you're, if you're a husband, stand. If you want to be a husband, stand. Pay attention, ladies. Father, thank you for these men. And Lord, I pray today that you would help us to be the right representation of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit to our wives. Lord, that we could pour out our love, not out of duty or obligation, Lord, but just because we love them. Lord, help us to be the kind of men that can help our wives to grow and to bloom and to bring beauty on the earth and to bring the fragrance of heaven into the room when they walk in. Lord, I pray for a church full of Proverbs 31 women that release heaven everywhere they go, that are happy, that you can tell by looking at them that they're thriving in the kingdom. And Lord, I pray as men that you would help us to somehow carve out that time for relationship with you. Lord, I know we're busy. We've got jobs and all that, but I just pray that somehow you'd give us the grace for another hour in the morning just to spend time with you or hit a prayer set or two per week. Lord, that we could get to know you better. Lord, we know that you want to bless us as men. You want to bless us. And Lord, I pray that this church today, that the men in this church would really get this, the order that you have established in heaven for us. And ladies, would you stand as well, wives? God, we come before you and we ask you to give us grace, even single women. I just ask you, just go ahead and stand. And I thank you that you have a husband in Christ right now, that he is your husband. And I ask you, Father, that you would give us the grace to respect our husbands in a way that would help them feel like the king of the world, that they would feel so um, loved, so well-loved, so respected and esteemed by us, that they would be 10 feet tall everywhere they go that they would know that we are cheering them on and believe in them and who they are and who they've been created to be. God, I pray that you would make us intercessors for our husbands, even our husbands that are to come, God. Even for every single woman here, God, I pray that you would give us a heart to even intercede for what yet not has become. And God, I pray that you would give us grace to submit ourselves to the leadership of our husbands, that we would come up under their strong covering, God. And God, I ask you in the name of Jesus, as these married couples pray together and as single men and women pray, God, I pray that you would break the back of the enemy, the liar, the deceiver, and the thief that steals from our marriages and from our love. I pray that this union would break the back of every couple that hears this prayer. God, and I thank you. Would you remove addiction from our from our families and from our couples. God, would you remove 
bitterness and anger. God, where there's been hurt hearts, God, and hurt feelings, I ask you to come and, and bring forgiveness and reunification, God. Would you heal the brokenhearted among us today, God? And I Thank just hear you. the Lord saying it's not too late. Stand up, Trace. You're going to have to help me. The Lord says it's not too late. Yeah. And He's telling me to speak a blessing over you. Would you receive it? Let's just make sure that the pipe's clean. Let's just ask the Lord to forgive us where, we, where we've misrepresented. We haven't represented the kingdom. Thank you. God. So, Lord, we do. I just, um, I'll just speak for everyone. We repent, Lord, for we haven't represented your kingdom well to our wives. And Lord, uh, forgive, forgive us of that. Lord, that we could receive the blessing that you want to pour out. Yes, and you. that from the, just from the steps of heaven, Lord, we just, right now, we just ask, we just pour out a blessing on the yes. Storehouse Church couples, on these marriages, Lord. Yeah. And all of those who are watching or hearing today, even if they have hopelessness, Lord, you can bring hope. In one minute, everything can turn around yeah. in your kingdom. You can heal instantly. Thank you, Lord. Not just broken bones, Lord, but you can heal marriages. We've seen it over yeah. and over. Thank so, you, Lord, Lord, we do. We just ask you right now. We speak a blessing. We say thank you, Lord, for these marriages. We declare over you that you have the kind of marriage that people write books about. That you have the kind of marriage that people will want to have one like yeah that they'll talk about you as people that want to mentor them to grow in their in their marriage thank you lord and lord i pray for a holy offspring we bless the wombs in this house for a holy offspring yeah that you would have an inheritance under heaven i pray for the spirit of god to rest on you that when uh, chaos starts to come into your house that you'd kick it out together thank you lord that you'd pull together against the evil one with the three-stranded cord is not easily broken with that three-stranded cord you would send him on his way yes god and invite the holy spirit in thank you, king lord. of glory come and rest here yeah thank you lord rest on these mar marriages rest on our marriage yeah and i want to speak to the younger generations that are here right now now, I know the world has told you what marriage is supposed to look like. All you have to do is flip it on to Hollywood and all the rest, but that's not what you want. Yeah. That's not what you want. The counterfeit is no good. Yeah. You want the real. Young men, purity is the only way to go on this deal. I promise you, you'll be glad. When we marry you, you'll be glad that you waited. Young ladies, same. Wait for your husband. Yeah. The drive-by deal doesn't, it's not what you want. Yeah. We're so honored to have the purity that we have in this house. Thank you, God. For these young people. Thank you, God. Thank you for your generation. Mine wasn't like that. And I didn't wait. But I really honor you for waiting. Yeah. And Lord, I just pray uh, that they would, you would give them hope. They've seen their parents break up. They've seen problems. And they say, well, I don't even know if I want this. I don't even know if I'm this or that. 
but I will tell you, it's right. And, and this is what you want. You want the real from heaven. And yeah. so I speak a blessing over you yeah. that you have amazing marriages that yeah. they write books about. Yeah. That everybody that sees you would go, I want a husband like that. I want a wife like that. Yeah. I want a marriage like that. Yeah. And we bless you. Yeah. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.